Enrique Kalos and Ben Roosevelt, right? Uh, ben is a uh, uh, artist in residence here. You, well, you're not raised in called in residence, or you have a studio here. Cave might know the terminology better than me, but I'm one of the studio artists. Studio There's artists. a studio, studio artist program, uh, which okay. is application based. Uh, okay. And then you get subsidized studio space. Right. So he's a member of the studio artist program. Is okay. What it's called. Yeah. And Kay Callos is the new head of. Uh, uh, the contemporary That's for right. the past how long? Seven months now. Seven months. I wow. see it's gone very fast. Right. Um, was uh, the job as you thought it would be, or there have been challenges or, or surprises with it? Uh, you know, I think as, as in any job, there are are interesting surprises, and and there have been some good ones and some more challenging surprises. But um, having been in Atlanta for eighteen years and been a member of the Atlanta Art you know, Atlantic College of Art. Um, the right. art part of this was, was nothing surprising. It was right. great and, and wonderful and all of that sort of thing. I think managing a nonprofit organization where your um, income is not front-loaded as it is in an educational institution right. has, has been more challenging. Yeah. But, you know, it's working out okay. So it's, I've got a great team here, mm -hmm. and I think that that Teamwork aspect makes a huge difference in any organization, but sure. I was really fortunate um, to have that when I walked in the door. Well, so how are you finding the funding situation in Atlanta now with all of the national cutbacks? And uh, Atlanta's a very wealthy city, I know. It's one of the fastest growing cities, probably in the, well, it's for sure in the United States and maybe in the world. Sure. I don't know, there's some really oh, fast growing places in, yes, yes. in the East. but. Um, so are you are you able to uh, make ends meet, so to speak, for the gallery? Yes, we're making ends meet. Mm -hmm. I think that the Contemporary has a very long-standing affiliation mm -hmm. with a number of of government funders, private funders, foundation funders, as as is true for Idrim. The World right. Foundation yeah. has been extraordinarily supportive of the work done at the Contemporary, and so I'm really in the initial phases of analyzing mm -hmm. that. But but um, response has been good so far, and. And um, you know we're we're right on on track with where we plan to be at this particular point. I always give great kudos to uh, the Warhol Foundation because it's easy to apply for the grant. They're 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 uh, somewhat forgiving about the way that you go about applying. You know, and uh, coming from the Warhol situation, I guess they have a great uh, feel for the street, so to speak, which is where I drum comes from. Uh, right. The contemporary is a little above the street right now, but. <laughs> So what what is very much on the street. what is the budget for uh, the contemporary now? It's four hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars. Wow, and most of that budget comes from what uh, private donors, corporate donations, or grants, or a combination all, of, all, of, all, of all of those sources. Yeah. Um, this is a smaller budget than the contemporaries had in the past. I thought that it had been. Um, yeah. Because at one point, Nexus Press was a part of the budget, and of mm -hmm. course that's not been true since 2003. Mm -hmm. um, although we still have all of those books to find homes for, and, and so right. um, that's a, a big piece of, of what we're trying to do at this particular time. And there were a lot more staff members here um, in the past. So how are you dealing with the leftover uh, Nexus Press books? Is that a problem? I mean, I'm sure you've got lots of them stored away. I've got almost 22,000 books at this wow. point. 
Um, and I have a really strong commitment to finding a place mm -hmm. for them to be. And mm -hmm. here's what we're doing. I mean, obviously we have them posted on the website so that people can come and look. And there are a lot of people who, oh, I always meant to get around to doing that, but I haven't done it. So I right. said, well, now's a really good time. Um, but we've also been contacting um, college, university, libraries, mm -hmm. art libraries, um, who had collected right. some of the books in yeah. the past. Um, so we actually are moving forward fairly robustly to mm -hmm. find locations, principally in libraries, mm -hmm. um, for those books. And I had the good fortune to have an intern um, this fall, um, Eleanor Cardwell, who had just finished her degree in book arts at the University of London, wow. and dedicated all of her yes. time to this project and continues to do this even though she's gone back to London mm -hmm. because everything's done wow. by email. Uh, yeah. um, mm -hmm. So um, I'm really hopeful that we will be able to place all of those books in a, in a location where people can have access to mm -hmm. them. Speaking of London, we had some really good conversations that weren't recorded <laughs> too, <bad. laughs> uh, two weeks ago when we were when we first met. But uh, and I would almost try to reproduce that. But you know, uh, speaking of London, we did talk about globalism and regionalism. But first, and I'd like for us to continue the discussion. But uh, from both of your points of view, I'd like to give your impressions about the Atlanta. Uh, art scene such as it is, you know, art news and online uh, listserv, there's a lot of uh, sort of cynicism and um, people complaining about the Atlanta scene and um, I'm not sure whether that's reflective of arts currents throughout the United States right now. I haven't been traveling around or keeping up with a lot of that, but can you give your impressions about Ben, you're not you're not from Atlanta, right? So you have a, you have a sort of fresh. You've been impression. here a year. I've been here a year and a half. Okay. From you came from. I mean, was living previously in Ireland for two years. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so, I, it would be rash of me probably to say that I have a really fully developed impression of Atlanta because I, I, I want to be careful not to do a disservice to those who who have been here for decades and have had that mm -hmm. time to really learn the ins and outs of the scene and the limitations become cynical and bitter and yeah whatever I, but I, I want to be careful myself. to not call their <laughs> try to call their bluff or yeah. something I I feel um, as a newcomer I feel that I've had um, a lot of uh, wonderful opportunities since coming here mm -hmm. um, I, I can't claim that it was solely because of my own work or enthusiasm. I, I think Atlanta does have opportunities out there. I, I don't know if there is such a thing as a glass ceiling here. We mentioned that term before. Right. I, I, what I do know is that throughout contemporary art there are glass ceilings everywhere and I, I think mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a risky sort of profession to get into as an artist anyway. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a small percentage of artists actually survive and make their income based on art making, and right. the vast majority teach or have some other right. form of income. Um, I, I think Atlanta has a number of interesting grassroots things going on now. Just that's my impression. Being here a year and a half, uh, there is the uh, some of the galleries down in Castleberry Hill. Um, there is the Beep Beep Gallery. She did an opening um, last week about that. Yeah, yeah. There, it was nice. They got some Warhol money, apparently. Did they? I didn't know. Well, that. they've got a sign on the front there that says Warhol. I mean, it's like a gallery the size of this room. It <laughs> is. Know? Yeah, it's small. It makes me feel weird about you know 
Uh, it doesn't matter. Go ahead. <laughs> I like that gallery. I mean, they're, they're, <laughs> don't, don't get into the money comparison thing. You know, no, that's, no, that's, 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 that's not good. But my impression is, though, that things have cropped up like that from time to time for the past few decades, and yeah. then they fizzle out, and something else comes up. So, right. yeah. so I don't know. I don't know what the long-term picture is, to be honest. Uh, I do know that I've met some fantastic people since I've come here. Uh, I've met Kay and Stuart and the others at uh, the Contemporary, and I've developed a good relationship with them. Um, and I've met some of the, the gallerists. I, I recently uh, started showing work with Sam Romo uh, from the Romo Gallery. He just took some of my work to um, Art Aqua Art down in uh, Florida as part of the okay. all those art fairs around Art Basel, sure, Miami Beach. Sure, yeah. So I've been I've had good luck since I've been here. Things have gone well. Well, things have changed a lot. I think in the past, well, I'd say five years with the gallery scene. I'd agree with that. Uh, mm -hmm. But the problem that I always have, and I'm, I guess I'm one of those, as I was kidding about, one of those embittered souls you know, <laughs> over in the yeah. corner grousing, um, but is that there does seem to be a sort of a disconnect between what I think of as the high museum crowd. And the high museum used to actually support Southeastern art at one point. They had exhibits, they had people, local people. Yeah, who, they did when shows. I first moved yeah, here. They exactly. had the So, you know, to be perfectly frank, I think there's an abdication of responsibility on the part of the high. Nobody else has to agree with me, but I think there's a, you know, they should be more involved in the community. You don't have to be, you know, represent everything in the community, but uh, if you go to New York, you know, there's a kind of a path that you follow. Mm -hmm. You may decide you want to go to Paris, but at least there's a path you can follow and, and go to the various really good museums there and wind up in one of the Biennales or one of the annual shows. As and, a viewer. As a viewer yeah. and as a participant, you know, mm -hmm. from a lot of the, uh, you know, New York artists, of which there are thousands of them probably. Yeah. Uh, but Kate, and a what, good number of, of Atlanta artists are, are faring well in that system as well. Exactly. Um, Roe Atheridge was just named to be in the 2008 yeah. biennial. Whitney Biennial. Yeah. yeah, that's great. So do you think it's a, well, Katie, do you think it's unreasonable to expect Atlanta to have a kind of a whole art scene, uh, art ecology, as we were calling it last mm -hmm. time, where the base, the very large base, there's a kind of a fluid mechanism that the best of, uh, of the base, if you want to put it that way, can make its way up to an international uh, museum situation? Or is that asking too much of Atlanta? Is Atlanta still not in the position where it can foster that kind of growth from top to bottom and that we always will have to look other places you know I think Rose is a good example of someone who has made his way through the existing systems and I think he left Atlanta probably mid 90s would be my mm -hmm. best guess I don't remember exactly um, mm -hmm. to to go and, and show work but he came up through the ranks but he left in, Atlanta. In Atlanta and yeah he left Atlanta and is, and is having but he actually was on the cover of Art Forum before he went to New York oh, okay so um, I guess what I'm saying is I think that there isn't one structure that makes mm -hmm. a difference um, in this. And, and one of the reasons I asked Ben to join us is because he's a, a prime example of young artists that I've met in the last couple of years. And of course I'm on, oh, I can't say that. I'm, I'm out looking at young artists <laughs> because that's what I'm interested in doing and, and um, looking at their work. But he's, he's the, an example of a good number of people I've met who have moved to Atlanta mm -hmm. because of opportunities here, have done a lot of work networking with people, and then have received recognition, which Ben has um, in this last year because of that work. Well, let me ask you another question. What If an artist is moving around, I mean, now we've become sort of a nomadic population, but what mm -hmm. does an artist need to look for in, in an area to live in? Because 
I mean, there are careerist aspirations, there are productive aspirations, mm -hmm. there are inspirational aspirations. And different areas, I think, maybe have, well, I mean, you have a lot of people who live in New Orleans, artists, musicians, and they love it there, sure. even though from any, it's a really impoverished city and it has a lot of problems, but yeah. yet there's a kind of environment there that's very conducive to artistic production, at least of a certain form. Mm -hmm. um, so, in your opinion, what kind of things should artists be uh, on the lookout for in a city? Uh, not well, just let's ask Ben that question yeah. because he's just done okay. this. Okay. Yeah, and not, he's, he's and not just the, the standard sorts of things. Specifics you know. as opposed to it, an idealized version. I think you know that's a really important and also really big question yeah. to start answering. I, I think. First of all, it depends on the stage of an artist's development or career, I think. If, if I were already an internationally known artist, mm -hmm. um, I don't know if I would choose to move to Atlanta. Not because, not because I dislike Atlanta, but just because I, I probably would have the opportunity to, to move to anywhere in the world that I wanted mm -hmm. to move um, and be more, more nomadic like that, too, like you were saying before. Um, Although but, Elton John, for example, decided for some reason decided to move to Atlanta. I guess I didn't know that. That's yeah, interesting. Yeah, he on mm -hmm. At least he did, right? I think. Mm -hmm. I guess he still lives there as a, 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 a collector of photography. Yes, yeah, yes, yes. it's very big. So, and so I guess people do find yeah. it, you know, mm -hmm. as if to come here and live. Uh, so right. I, guess I want, I want to yeah. know from your point of view. What is it that's conducive and what is not conducive to be here? Not that anything's going to change from our conversation, but at least it helps me get a beat on things. You know? What I find conducive uh, about being here is that because it's a, a medium, what I would call a medium-sized art scene, I think I hope I'm fair in saying that. That seems right. I think there are opportunities there. Mm -hmm. um, my impression is that um, it's possible in Atlanta to meet. Uh, people who are already embedded in and invested in the, the current art structures that are here mm -hmm. to, to meet them and develop real relationships with them, not just on a career level, but on a personal level. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, develop your own artwork accordingly uh, based on those relationships. I think that's possible here. In other words, it's the whole, it's the old foot in the door mm -hmm. th thing is true in Atlanta, I think. I, I also, on a personal level, I have a, a bit of a... Uh, a keen interest in the South because I'm from the South, and and I have a, I have not just a defensive attitude about it, but also I feel like the South offers some really uh, deep food for thought for uh, someone to to live here, and and uh, not only do I like the, the Southern Gothic sort of thing, like with Flannery O'Connor and, and that whole thing, I, I I do find that interesting, but I also like. The collisions that you find in the South between really postmodern activities and really traditional ones, mm -hmm. and I think there are interesting possibilities that arise mm -hmm. out of that. Mm -hmm. So, like in Atlanta, just like a neighborhood like this, for example, um, we have these very new modern developments happening here, and at the same time, we have, you know, the remnants of the railroad past still, exactly. still right here. And I think it's interesting to have those together. Um, well, I guess. So let me follow yeah, up. Yeah, okay, go ahead. Yeah. Because I think I think this is kind of the groundwork for for one of the things that I'm interested in, being at the Contemporary at this point, mm -hmm. and one of the reasons why coming to the Contemporary, as opposed to continuing on in an academic field, was right. was really intriguing for me. Um, you know, coming out of 25 years of higher education, 
this idea of dialogue and experimentation and process is, is pretty much mm -hmm. um, embedded in what I do and the way I think. So I, you know, everything I approach is, is from that particular standpoint. But one of the things that, that I have felt, especially since the time of the Olympics um, in this town, that, that um, smaller arts organizations, and smaller by smaller I mean pretty much anyone smaller than the High Museum, have sort of kind of gone off into their own little corners. And there hasn't been this kind of spirit of consortium or collegiality. Hmm. And maybe it's because I've been outside of that framework, but that's something I'm really interested um, in exploring in my current position. Mm -hmm. What are the opportunities for consortial relationships among smaller visual arts organizations that will be a benefit to everyone? Yeah. It wouldn't be everything. We, right. you know, maybe it's one thing and not another, but mm -hmm. how, how would having a consortial relationship benefit artists accessing the resources that those um, organizations provide? And we've got a good number of them here at this point. Well, there um, is the Visual Arts Network, VANA, that, yeah, that attempts that, right? They do some of that, but I don't, they don't really have a true mm -hmm. consortial relationship. And so um, I'm exploring mm -hmm. what is not there with mm -hmm. VANA. I mean, they do a great job in terms of raising visibility right. if you know to go to that website. I'm not right. sure how you get there if you just have wandered into Atlanta, mm -hmm. right. um, as Ben did a year and a half ago. I think that really um, learning about other arts organizations at each arts organization, you know, like we have the resource room here. Mm -hmm. I don't know what its original intent was because it happened before I got here, but it forms as a kind of de facto consortial opportunity of, well, this is happening here, but oh, this is happening over here. And my gosh, look at there's just, you know, dozens and dozens of things happening um, in Atlanta and new galleries are coming up all the time and we post that information there. I was over at Youngblood Gallery um, last week. They have a similar kind of resource and, and again, they're a very different kind of gallery <coughs> than we are, yeah. but they offer enormous opportunities um, to young artists. And the work that, that I saw there was just truly amazing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, knowing that you can kind of go around and, and figure out ways to collaborate um, in some aspect, as we did when we went to the mm -hmm. Warhol mm -hmm. convening, just for everyone's information's sake, Robert and I mm -hmm. were at the Warhol convening for Southeastern organizations that have received Warhol money, mm -hmm. again, to explore this idea. Mm -hmm. But and I so wonder, I, I agree with you in theory, and I vacillate, I have to say that I vacillate 180 degrees on this from uh, the potentials of collaboration and the hazards of collaboration, mm -hmm. because it mm -hmm. seems to me like small towns, it's easy to find consortiums of everybody in the town mm -hmm. but the larger the community like in New York you probably got gosh I don't know how many consortiums you might have mm -hmm. but there's not an overall consortium because everybody is really actively pumping out stuff and frankly there are some cultures some artistic cultures that are in clash with other artistic sure. cultures probably right in a lot of different uh, in a lot of different respects uh, so I'm wondering if Atlanta is and I, I would welcome whatever efforts you make to that because it would be it would be of use but I'm wondering if Atlanta is not speeding so fast now into the future that um, I mean I, I come across sites uh, on the web and, and new things all the time you know kind of centered in Atlanta mm -hmm. uh, and I'm wondering how the possibilities of collaborating with all of those are, are uh, having them available at least for perusal how possible it is and I'm thinking about the MAACC the MAC uh, thing you know and uh, which 
generated lots of controversy for a lot of and different it reasons. Function in you know? that way. It could function in that way if, if that's the direction that they choose to take. Right. Let's look at, let's just take one example of things that are happening very quickly because I think consortial relationship or, or um, collaboration doesn't have to be a total package. Mm -hmm. In other words, you can find one thing that really makes sense mm -hmm. for more than one organization and, and, and really improve the situation. Mm -hmm. Art Relish, I think, is an example That's of that, a very and nice, I think Art News yeah. is great, and, yeah. and you know, I'm a big fan of that. But Art Relish, I think, is doing mm -hmm. an interesting job to add visual imagery exactly. and to really um, take on the role of trying to capture everything that's happening. And that's just brand new. Mm -hmm. um, and so that almost de facto functions to create linkages mm -hmm. that weren't there before just through the existence of Art Relish, which of course SCAD has done because they have the resources to do that and it's great. I wanted to add something to that. Okay. I, um, from, from my standpoint, the, the idea of a consortial venue or what, what, whatever it is you're talking about there. I'm a big proponent of that, I think. Um, I wonder currently if each uh, organization has a, a core group of people involved with it and then also a core group of attendees who come to, to functions there. And I wonder, from being here for a year and a half, I wonder how much crossover there really is at the attendee level, not, not at the organizational level, but at the people actually come to the the events. I haven't seen a lot in a year and a half. I've seen yeah. some people who come to different places, but for the most part, if I go to something at Saltworks, I have a completely different audience there than if I come to something here. Mm -hmm. There might be a little crossover, but not as much as I would think. Mm -hmm. And that's frankly, kind of, I'm really surprised by that. Because that's kind I, of what I was alluding yeah. to with the different corporate cultures, or yeah. in the cases, different artistic cultures. Mm -hmm. people. There doesn't seem to be a lot of I mean, and you know, the thing that Idrum did at, uh, here at uh, the Contemporary, I, I think this was before you came here, uh, when we did an improv night, and it, mostly Idrum people came, but I don't think there were right. really, very many people. Yeah. But people. how much effort has really been put into cross-promotion? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, well, isn't I that... I don't know. I, I mean, I, you know, when I go, I, I go to things in different locations, um, I don't see that they're saying, well, we have interesting things happening here, here, right. and here. You have to go to a third location like Art Relish or Art mm -hmm. News or, or right. um, Access Atlanta to, to figure out that particular information. Mm -hmm. The other thing that, that I'm interested in the idea about is, is the whole notion of the responsibility of the individuals to the, to the group, to the whole. Mm -hmm. um, Carol Becker, who's the Dean at um, School of the Art Institute in Chicago wrote a really interesting set of essays, well, it's probably 10 years now, but a, a long time ago at this point about ways in which artists could take control of their communities mm -hmm. to create structures that were uh, of benefit to them as opposed to waiting for someone else to create Absolutely. that culture. Absolutely, I'm a big fan of that. And, and so, you know, I think that that's, that's another sort of bottom-up approach mm -hmm. um, that Many of the organizations we represent, certainly the contemporary mm -hmm. and IDRAM, were built out of bottom-up kinds mm -hmm. of, of movements hmm. and then have, have become um, established in a different way. But I think that these mm -hmm. consortial ideas could happen in, in that particular way as well by looking at finding opportunities for people to sit down and talk about them. And I think the key issue here, and this is a problem that you will lead to, is we're all working so much 
we're moving so fast. We're reading yeah. so many websites mm -hmm. um, that taking time to have this kind of dialogue mm -hmm. um, is is quite rare, actually. I think that's true. Face and to face, face to face time, and there's no substitute for that face to face time in terms of mm -hmm. evolving ideas mm -hmm. and saying, "Well, this is a great idea." Well, I'm wondering. You mentioned media access, Atlanta, but I'm wondering from both of you what you think the role of the print media is. Uh, you know, a lot of people have been very critical of the print, and I. I've been one of them, you know. Uh, AJC, Atlanta Journal Constitution, has been, you know, been pretty kind to Idrum. Actually, we, we they re review things quite often, but there's still the feeling of, I mean, Idrum does a wide variety of artistic, creative right. events, and uh, a lot of that coverage seems to be lacking. And I think, as regards, in fact, the Warhol Foundation. Uh, supports this take that uh, creativity is kind of what I was alluding to when I was asking about the environment that an artist looks for in order yeah. to be a creative personality. Mm -hmm. What is involved in that whole package of being a creative personality? It's not just I need to have a place to buy paints. I need to have a place to put my canvas. I mean, in right. the first place, it, you know, painting comes out of a matrix of problems and everyday concerns and mm -hmm. in relation to a global kind of environment, a local environment, a regional environment, things like that. So mm -hmm. uh, I, I want to ask you about the media. Does the media, is it sufficient to cover that or is electronic media now what we have to, well, everybody has access to I think to it's it. going to be both. I think it's going to be both. Um, and, and I think the AJC plays a particular role. Um, but I think that art papers also plays a particular mm -hmm. role that is not played by the AJC. So I don't know that one thing is going to do it all. Well, I, I kind of you know I'm, I'm always looking. Artists come up to me and they say, "What can I do? What can I do to you know get my stuff out and find out about things?" I say, "Go print something, write something, and print something, or find somebody to write something, print something, yeah, and put it on your computer and like print it out and put it in coffee shops all around." You know, there's something to be said for. The higher end AJC uh, art papers, and for the lower end, I consider you know everybody doing their blog. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But there's also something when you go into a coffee shop and you see something interesting, say, "Well, I didn't know about that." And you pick yeah. up broadsheets and flyers. Yeah, and I think things. you're right. I think broadsheets, especially in yeah. coffee shops, and and we have thankfully evolved a great coffee shop culture. Yeah. When That's I first great. moved to Atlanta, I couldn't find whole bean coffee, and I almost turned around. And <laughs> That's definitely yeah. changed. Yeah. Well, there's still a problem with tea in but, some you know, places. Going down the street to various coffee shops and, and seeing what's there. No, I, I think that, mm -hmm. that, so there's a whole range of not, you can't, you have to have more than mm -hmm. one thing um, to, to bridge those territories. But there are a lot of online things that are evolving as well that have yes. widespread access. I mean, I really enjoyed um, getting into Code Z and it's yeah. mm -hmm. the early me too. stages um, right. and mm -hmm. that provided me access to stuff that I wasn't mm -hmm. finding any place else. Mm -hmm. and, and now... Um, S.C.K. Hicks's uh, right, website. Right. Uh, I think he's He's nominally involved with. I think he's handed it off someone else. Has he? I'm he's sure. handed it off to someone That's else right. at this point. Is my yeah. understanding. Um, and you know, art section, art relish mm -hmm. now. Um, mm -hmm. and, and so I think that that um, all of those things are going to enhance right. people's ability to write things. I think that you know the AJC art blog, although I've not really been terribly interested in it because it, it isn't really a dialogue. It seems to be inoperative kind of right now. I think the last one was in the middle of October. Okay, well, I, 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 I haven't looked at it, though. And there was never any, 
I mean, a blog is you have a person who's a person's writing and then comments on it. This just turned into a comments blog. There were no, right, there nobody ever came in and wrote anything just about it. And, and so now right. I think they've redone that so that Access Atlanta, I think Kathy Fox now has a blog. Right, she does. The last yeah. little show or had a little blurb about it. And that will evolve. Yeah, and, and that so will evolve. then that can create a kind of dialogue that may not um, mm -hmm. be able to occur other ways. But I still think. Um, there's just no substitute for face-to-face -face dialogue yeah. and creating opportunities for those dialogues well, because the blog site is, exactly. is very impersonal. And that raises another question. Do you think things can move too fast for an artist? I know writing takes a certain amount of time. I mean, you got to have a place and you got to have inspiration. But then there's got to be a place where you sit and watch paint dry. You know, and you're not keeping up always with the currents. And this is not just an Atlanta problem, although Atlanta is a communication hub for basically the world with CNN, but do you think that speed, how relevant is speed to an artist? And I guess different artists have different relationships to speed. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, does that question make any sense to you? As a yeah. visual artist, Ben, I'm sure you have, you know, uh, certain requirements for downtime. I do. I, I'm just thinking about that. I, I think to be an artist now, it, one needs to have an intimate relationship with media and the professional aspects of promotion even mm -hmm. and of one's uh, how one is perceived in in the yeah. outside world I think that's important I think any artist since Warhol maybe if I can just throw that name out there should mm -hmm. probably have that as part of his or her agenda yeah. sure. and um, so I in terms of moving too fast or, or getting overexposed maybe is part of what you're mm -hmm. asking about. Yeah. There's it possible to get overexposed, there's too much media around one artist and then the artist can't deliver because uh, the, there's no more work to, mm -hmm. to put out there after a point. I think that's a possibility. I, I'm not personally af afraid of it that much. I have an, I have a, not an allegory for whatever, but I saw something in Popular Science Magazine about, uh, you know, they have digital cameras now that uh, will take a variety of exposures and there's a new program that will allow you to set the timing on the exposure from very dark to perfect to more overexposed. Mm -hmm. if, as long as you take three exposures or more, you can you can get this really lurid sort of picture. Mm -hmm. What I'm wondering, I mean it's beautiful, but it's not reality. And what I'm wondering is from what you were saying about exposure, overexposure, underexposure, mm -hmm. if it being involved in this uh, network of media, an artist having control of that, if in fact an artist, the, the result of that is something that bears little relationship to what an artist is about. Mm -hmm. but, I mean, because we all get stuff through our email boxes every morning, you know, about all this stuff. So right. I, I, these are the exposures that I was talking about, they, and they add up to something. On a global sense, which we say I'm leading into the global versus regionalism. Here. <laughs> we knew it's you were good. Going to yeah. It's good. <laughs> so I, I, my question is: uh, before we had talked about, is there a southern aesthetic? What would that be? What is? If there is there a global aesthetic, and what would that be outside of someone who is regionally situated? Mm -hmm. How is it possible to have a quote global aesthetic? Without having an anchoring in an, in a regional aesthetic or, or an even more localized aesthetic that's sort of filtered through these exposure mechanisms to make this lurid picture that we all get through our mailboxes every morning. Yeah. Let's so. step back for just a second. I mean, because I think the issue of, of speed and and engagement um, is a critical 
question for for many artists because once you start getting exposure and attention, let's face it, it's really hard to back off from that. Mm -hmm. It's it's an addictive um, thing because it's what you're striving yeah, for. Yeah, you want it. Until you get artist. to the point yeah. where people are expecting you to produce what you did last year, exactly. mm -hmm. and you have no room for experimentation. Mm -hmm. That's happened mm -hmm. to a number of people. Um, yeah. We all know in Atlanta, and, and those individuals have had to. Um, back off. So I, I think it's it's just a, a broader question mm -hmm. of balance in how people people work. I think hence the enormous popularity and resurgence of yoga, the great popularity <laughs> of the Hambage Center where people can just right. yeah, go right. off to Northwoods <laughs> for a couple of weeks, which you know I, I do in a different way. I go mm -hmm. to Minnesota, but you know retreat yeah. from all of this electronic yeah, buzz definitely. and yeah. and have a place to actually sit and, and be contemplative and. And you know, I worry about the next generations because I work in a summer program with kids mm -hmm. the, in the remote woods of northern Minnesota, and, and it's harder and harder for kids to give up the cell phone, mm -hmm. access to the computer, mm -hmm. and actually just sit someplace where there isn't a lot of noise mm -hmm. and not yeah. be totally overwhelmed by that silence mm -hmm. because they're, yeah. they're so much a part of that. But I think that's part of what human beings need. Mm -hmm. And if an artist is smart, um, and self-aware, those individuals will find that time and, and not get too caught up in the bud.